0: Javi Moss, and I did the presentation earlier, earlier. So you already know where I live. Uh, I live in Chicago, in the north. Who's been to Chicago before? Excellent. So you've been to the promised land. It's awesome. Um, I live there on the north side of the city with my awesome wife, Jeanette. Uh, we've been married for 15 years. Uh, I live there with uh, my daughter, Bailey, who's uh, going to be eight in a couple months in second grade, and then my son, Jackson, who just turned five. And um, We live in the city of Chicago. I always feel like I need to clarify that sometimes, because sometimes, I actually went to a church once in California, a big church that's huge and well-known. I won't mention any names, but it ends in Adelbeck. And- And um, I was talking to somebody there once, and I said, Well, I'm from Chicago. And she said, Oh, I'm from Chicago. You know, where do you live? I go, I live in Chicago. She's like, Yeah, but where? In Chicago. She's like, I know, but where in Chicago do you live? And I'm having a moment here like, we're not connecting. Um, I said, I live in Chicago, and this is what she said. When you put your address on an envelope, what do you write down? And I said, you do know, ma'am, that people live within the city limits of Chicago. I live in Chicago. And she's like, oh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> in my mind, yeah. And she's like, I I actually I, she said I'm from Arlington Heights that's a suburb of an hour away from yeah. Chicago and I said oh well that's why we're not getting connecting here you're not from Chicago you're from around Chicago so I always just feel like I need to say that I'm I'm from Chicago. That's where I live Um, and love it. I also as well with um, pastoring in the city and uh, getting to work with outreach just because I'm not busy enough. I also teach at a little school in Chicago uh, that you may or may not have ever heard of. Uh, I teach at Moody Bible Institute. Uh, So I'm able to teach there um, and just teach different Bible classes and such and uh, just love everything that God's doing in our lives and love being in the city. I'm super thankful to be out here uh, with all of you and hoping to encourage you and equip you a little bit in what you're doing in your ministries. Um, that's a little bit about me. I want to get to know a little bit about the people in the room right now. So what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put a series of words and phrases up on the board. And if this describes your church, generally speaking, I want you to raise your hand high, okay, so we could all see it, but especially so I can see it. So how many of you, your church, is in a rural community? Don't be afraid. Come on, put those hands up. All right. How about a suburban community? Okay. Urban. You live in the city of Chicago, not on the outside. Okay. Very good. How about as far as just like the makeup of your church, the people that are there, how many of you have a lot of young families? Okay. How about a lot of seniors? Okay. College students? Oh, not as many. All right. Blue collar. White collar. Okay. Lower income. Middle class. Okay. Affluent. Racially diverse. Diverse in ages. Hipsters. How many of you have no idea what a hipster is? I don't know if I'd raise my hand on that one. Um, How many of you, you want your church to make disciples of Jesus? All right, all over the room. I don't want you to miss what just happened there because it's really, really important for what we're going to talk about. Um, All of our different ministry contexts are different, but we're all different in our church's DNA, but we're unified in our common goal. Everybody in here, the whole fact that you're part of your church, the fact that you're hopefully even at this conference, is to be equipped and encouraged within that reality that we want people to find Jesus. We want to make disciples of Jesus. We want to make disciples who are making disciples, right? No one. Awesome. Right? I mean, that's the whole point. That's what we're supposed to be about. You know, I know it's in the afternoon. I I teach in the afternoon at Moody and I constantly have to take breaks like every 45 minutes of my three-hour classes because there's just something about the afternoon after you've had lunch that it's hard to stay awake. So we'll try to make this as uh, streamlined and interactive and we'll just have a lot of fun. So if you're tired though, completely understand. Um, we're different in our community DNA, but we're unified in our goal. Um, we have different makeups. We have different our different ones. Our hands went up on others. Our hands were stayed down. However, we all have this passion of wanting people to find out about Jesus and experience life in Him. We're all trying to fulfill the Great Commission. Our contexts are different, but I would say our ministry principles are all the same. Our ministry principles are all the same. I like football, so think about it like football. We have, in Chicago, we have Soldier Field. Uh, Soldier Field is an awesome place to see a game or a concert. One thing about it, though, you can see it's open air. Um, This is why, for example, like I have some buddies, we go to a game together every year and we typically travel, but we're going to be home this year, so we said, well, what game do we want to go to? We didn't even consider November, December, and January games because it gets really cold in this place. That's why we're going this Sunday in September. that, That creates some challenges when teams come to play in Chicago. It's what's the weather going to be like? Is it snowing? Is there going to be snow on the field? Are we going to have to wear extra clothing? Just those are the factors you have to consider. Consider if you're a team coming into our stadium. Now, in Detroit, they have Ford Field. I just wanted to pause and see if anybody would boo on Detroit, because I would be totally okay with that if you wanted to. (laughs) Um, their, Their stadium is closed. So within that... There, there isn't the weather issue. If anything, there's a sound issue. When we played, uh, the Bears played there, this is the game me and my buddies went to, and the, uh, the local fans were so loud during our offense that the team couldn't hear what was going on, you, and it messed us up. That's at least the excuse that we're trying to give for <laughs> that game. But there's different conditions that you have to consider going in and playing in a closed stadium compared to an open stadium. Does that make sense? That being said, even though that's true, regardless of the field, football is football, right? You're still passing, there's offense, there's defense, tackling, you're trying to score touchdowns. It doesn't matter what field you're on, you're trying to score a touchdown. I know some of our teams, you might not think that's their goal based on how they play, but that's still the idea. You're trying to score a touchdown. And I would say, regardless of the ministry context, ministry is ministry. We're all trying to do the same goal. We're all trying to make people meet Jesus, make disciples. And within that, preaching is preaching. Outreach is outreach. Assimilation is assimilation. Fellowship is fellowship. Worship is worship. And we're doing it to try to win people to Jesus. Each of us does the basics, the essentials, based on the people we have, with the gifts and the talents that God has blessed our church with, but even within that, the goal's still the same. We, what makes this awesome is that ministry obviously isn't football. Uh, we're not competing against one another. We're not trying to beat one another. At least that's how it's supposed to be. Uh, Maybe sometimes we need a reminder of that as well, right? Um, We're not trying to compete against one another. We're not trying to compete against other churches. We're trying to win people to Jesus. We're put into a specific context with a specific goal of making disciples. So within that, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about outreach, outreach, And I'm going to use our church as an example, um, just because that's what I know. Um, So I want to talk about outreach and how we do this goal of winning disciples, how we can go about doing that specifically within the communities that we're in. When we talk about outreach, I'm going to be using this as a definition. Outreach is the process of building bridges to the unchurched in order to effectively share the gospel process of building bridges to the unchurched in order to effectively share the gospel. Outreach is intentional. It has to be done. It's not something that's going to happen automatic. The other thing that we have to realize, both as ourselves as leaders, but also in our churches, is that um, outreach is not optional. Uh, The Great Commission is not an elective. It's a requirement. Um, It's not an add-on. It's something that starts immediately once you begin following Jesus. So outreach is just part of the plan. And those sound like does, like we should know that. But the reality is these are the basics that we need to be reminded of. We need to be reminded of the fact that outreach is something we have to intentionally be doing. It's not going to happen on its own. And we have to be doing it. It's something that goes into the DNA of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Um, How do we do that? Again, I said, I want to use our church. Um, in Chicago at New Life. Um, and the reason why is because a lot of ways our church is a microchasm of what we saw here in the very beginning. If, if we were to go through and start asking questions about our 20 different locations, you would see hands go up all over the place, but hands stay down. They're all different. It's why Chicago is known as the city of neighborhoods. You could literally enter into what feels like a different world just going two blocks. Um, and it's that drastic. That's not hyperbole. So the church is the, uh, neighborhoods that our churches are in are very different. However, we're trying to figure out what's the goal. Um, So within that, we have the 20 different locations, and I'm not doing this to like kind of just brag on our church. I'm just giving you context about how these principles um, go across different dynamics and different DNAs and stuff. Uh, So when you think about this, the different things that we have, each location is different. So you have, I mentioned in the presentation earlier, um, Paco. You know, Little Village is 95% Hispanic. Uh, most of the people there, if you were to drive through uh, Little Village, most of the signs you would see are in Spanish. Most of the people that you would interact with, that they're not bilingual, they speak natively Spanish. Um, it is. If you're here about uh, violence and murder in Chicago, I know when you're outside of Chicago and you hear violence and murder, you think, "Wow, this place is horrible." You know, it's not all over the place. It's typically down in here, and it's typically right here, with maybe pockets there, here and there. But with Paco, it's right where he's at. So it's very. It's not. It's unfortunately not uh, uncommon for us as pastors to get texts from Paco, shooting last night down the street from the church, pray for this family. Um, Three dads, three shot, down a couple blocks away, pray for the family, going over and meeting with families. Uh, This is the environment that Paco's in. Um, You come to my environment in Lincoln Park. The most crime that we've had is just an uprising theft, and that's just because people keep leave- are dumb and leave stuff in their car, and then people come by and get it. There hasn't been a murder in Lincoln Park in I don't know how long, um, but we have our own mis- issues, the transient nature of our, um, of our neighborhood. You are either a college student in our neighborhood, you are a young family, or you're, you've been there for a while and you have a lot of money. But within that, even though some people have been there for a, long, a little while, other people, it's like a revolving door. We had um, over 100 visitors in our church within a three, to four month time. And within that, I can honestly say that half of them were only in the city for a short amount of time. I'm only going to be here for a couple months. I'm only going to be here for a couple weeks. I'm only going to be here for a semester. Families that come in and live there for a year or two and then move away. Even since I've been at the church for the last three or four years at this particular campus, I've had to say goodbye to at least four or five of our key leaders because just because they moved to other parts of the country, not because of problems or trials. It's just it's a transient nature. So I don't have Paco's issues. I have my own issues. Just like... Every one of these other neighborhoods has its challenges, and every single one of you have your challenges. We all have our different things that we have to come to. But the things that we've learned is, okay, here's the basics of what it means to do ministry. And we're going to do them as well as we can, contextualize within the neighborhoods God has given us. Um, so each location is different, unique in its neighborhood. I forgot I had some slides here to show. I was kind of excited talking about people. So here's a little village, some pictures of it. Um, it's kind of like the iconic uh, um, uh, arches when you come in. Um, Lincoln Park, where we're at. Uh, actually, this is DePaul University, so major school right in the city. If you go down to where that car's at and hang a right, that's where our church is, so really close to DePaul. Um, Within the different contexts that we've had and stuff, this is the principle that we've really come home to and really landed on, the fact that kingdom building happens by community building. Uh, We have a ton of stuff that we're trying to figure out still, a ton of stuff that we have to relearn, and we're always trying to do things better. But this is one thing we hold on to, dear. Uh, We know that for the kingdom to be built, we have to pour into communities. There are a lot of different ways that we can do outreach, but we realize that being a good neighbor is highly important. And what we've realized is that being a good neighbor is better than holding up a sign. Being a good neighbor in the neighborhood God has put us in is better than holding up a sign in the midst of our city. For example... Um, down the street from our house, um, Chicago has different fests all the time. You can pretty much every weekend go to some neighborhood and they're having some type of fest in the summer. Well, we went to um, the fest in Andersonville, kind of down the street from us. And just tons of people, tons of different booths, tons of food. And at the one down from our house, there was people who were holding up these, I actually took this picture, uh, um, holding up these signs, Christ died for our sins, repent for the kingdom is and heaven is at hand, different things like that. And they were scattered through Throughout the entire thing, we have to ask ourselves: Is the gospel being presented by doing this? Yes, it is. That's 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 factually correct. That information is correct. Um, that being said, we have to ask: Though, is this effective? Is this really doing what we want it to do? Is this really accomplishing the different things that we want to accomplish in the great in the great commission of making disciples? Um, We can play, you can play the spiritual trump card and say, well, even if one were to come to Jesus, but within it, I can tell you, having walked through this crowd and listened to people as they were walking by this, the number of people who are repulsed by this is greater than the people who are receiving this. And that's not—I'm assuming no one at mean Maybe you are. You know, I'm assuming not a lot of us at this conference are going to think through this model. But we have to consider this is sometimes how church Christians do ministry. I'm just—it might not be as confrontational as this, but it's hey, here's our thing, and you need to respond. And that doesn't always work. Um, what we've realized, it's better to be a good neighbor. Um, this is a field that was in little village, and I love really talking about my friends and. How they've been salted, light. This was just a rundown field, just trampled, overuse to the point where it wasn't being used because I mean, you can you imagine slide tackling in that and stuff. But it was a major piece of grain in the middle of the community. Uh, My friend Matt, who's uh, one of the guys that works with Paco down at Little Village, and Matt is the expert master of building relationships and building partners in the city. And they went, Matt has a lot He's he's come and he's said, I want to come and I want to really connect with these people. I want to be where these people are at. I want to build relationships with them. We're going to talk about that in a little second. But he said, you know, I want to come in and we want to change this. So within the relationships he's built, within the way he's invested in people, he was able to talk with local businesses. He was able to talk with the local like, uh, neighborhood government. He was talking to uh, different organizations. And they were able to raise $1.6 million to completely renovate that field. Now, you might, that when you look at that, unless I was here telling you, you would not think I showed you a picture of the same place. But you can see from the building in the back, that is the same place. And they went in and said, you know what, we want to get a place where our community can gather. And now that they're doing soccer leagues here, Uh, they're doing family, uh, family picnics and festivals in the summer, all coming along, not coming in holding up signs. And you would say, well, no one talked about Jesus in that. No, Matt showed Jesus in that. Because now Matt and Paco, when things happen in the community, they're coming up to them and saying, Pastor, can you please help us? Or when Matt and Paco walk down the street, they're saying, hey, pastor, how's it going? When, things, when, when they, when Matt and Paco interact with people and they say, hey, how are you doing? Can we talk? They're willing to sit down and have coffee with them. They built bridges as neighbors. And because of that, they're showing people Jesus. And because they've shown people Jesus, they can talk to people about Jesus. That's powerful, isn't it? Um, that to us is what it means to be building community. When you build up the community, in turn, you are building up the kingdom. Uh, because as you become more, better neighbors, as we build up the community, we're able to tell people about Jesus. And in that, the kingdom expands. Let me come back uh, to my beloved bears here. Um <laughs> Now, whether, regardless of what you think of them, we, we like our Bears in Chicago. Um, to, to, to speak, we, if you're a true Bears fan, knows who the, the coach is. To speak ill of him is blasphemy. Um, you know, we, we, we love our 85 Bears. We're putting up with color, you know, all those different things. But we, we love our Bears. So regardless of even if somebody in the city doesn't care for them, when they go by Soldier Field, that means something. That's a part of our city. So if we were to go by Soldier Field and see closing down, team moving, the city would freak out—literally freak out—because of what it's been, what it's done, and how it's impacted our city. Now that's football, obviously, but let's bring that back into our neighborhoods. If our churches were to close down, would your would your neighborhood go? No, you guys can't go. You can't leave. You've made such a presence here. You've made such an impact here. What is it going to take for you to stay? You can't. We have. I know that's a question that's in some ways kind of hot. It's not a question that's probably not the first time you've heard that question. Would your church notice? Uh, would your neighborhood notice if your church shut down? But I think that's an incredibly important question that we all have to ask if we're going to be effective at making disciples. Because if you're, because it also raises the question: Will my, will my neighborhood real notice if my church were to shut down? Well, that supposes the question: Does our neighborhood even know our church is there? And if our neighborhood doesn't even know our church is there, how can we possibly be making disciples? Um, Again, it isn't so that we're famous. It isn't so that we're known. But it's because we're connecting with people. We're building relationships. We're showing people Jesus and bringing Jesus into a community. we have to ask it about our goal. We have to ask it about making disciples because that's what our purpose is. Um, how do we do this? I, that's what I want to do is I want to talk about, okay, if you were to close the doors of your church, would your neighborhood freak out? What does it mean to build the kingdom Build, uh, build excuse me, build the kingdom by building a community? I want to go through eight different ways to build the kingdom by building up your community. Different things that uh, I just feel are important as far as this idea of outreach, as far as connecting with people, uh, things that our church is done, things that we've learned, some things we're still learning, Um, but hopefully these things will be uh, helpful for you. Some of these things I think will be maybe you haven't considered. Some of these things might be, well, duh, but we need to be reminded of those things. And hopefully some of those things will be new ideas. And kind of once I get through with all these things, we'll take some Q&A and any way I can help after that as well. So that's kind of the plan for the rest of our time. Is that good? Yeah. because, you know, I'm feeling like you know I just know how we I feel like I should have prayed earlier and I didn't so now that we're at this kind of uh, hinge point in our discussion let me pray and ask God just to bless our time so I was just so excited to talk to all of you I just jumped right in so god I do thank you for all these men and women that are here I thank you for their love for you father I thank you for the um, the lives that they represent the stories the families the churches that they represent inside the cities that you have put them in and I pray God that you would make it clear to their hearts make it real in their hearts and in their minds that you have put them there specifically. They are gifted and designed and specifically put into a context to to show your light to a community. Um, you have empowered them with gifts to build up and encourage the church. You have put them into a community to build relationships with one another in the church so that the church can build relationships with those outside of the walls. I pray that you would give them a sense of mission and give a sense of purpose as we talk through these different things. And give us a burden to build their burden for our communities, um, that we would show people what you're really like and the love you have for us. Uh, we thank you for that. Be with us in the rest of our time. In your name, amen. So eight ways to build the kingdom by building up the community. The first one is this. You have to love your neighborhood. You have to love your neighborhood. If you were to spend any time on my Facebook page, um, you would see a reoccurring theme. The two things that are seen on my page more than anything are a little girl named Bailey and a little boy named Jackson. Um, people come up to me and say, I mean, I know all parents love their kids, but you, like, really love your kids. You're crazy about them, because I'm always talking about my kids. I love doing things with my kids. And that and people see that. There's a genuine love that I have for these two little people. And it's seen in how I talk about them, the things that I do with them. Well, the reality is, is that... the you have to fall in love with your neighborhood like that. When I think about my kids, the quality of our relationship isn't based on the fact that we live in the same house. It's our interactions with one another. You, you having your church building within the, in a specific neighborhood doesn't really do anything. It's your interactions with that neighborhood that do something. It's your interactions with that neighborhood um, that make an impact. Um, What can you tell me about your neighborhood? Think about that rhetorically. What are the, what, what do you, do you know the basic demographics of the people that make up the community that you're in? I'm talking about, you know, in Chicago, you know, it's Chicago, so there's a lot of different things we can say large term. But Lincoln Park, I can tell you about Lincoln Park. I can tell you about Uptown, where my family lives. Um, I can tell you the diversity within that. I can tell you uh, the type of people. I can tell you the different size, uh, the income ranges. I can tell you what some of the major issues are, the different concerns. When you, when I look at your address on the envelope in whatever town you live in. What can you tell me about that? What are the needs? Um, Do you know that the biggest needs in the community from their perspective, not just the churchy stuff, well, they need Jesus. We got that one down. I'm talking about what are the needs of the community? What's the heartbeat of the community? Can you introduce me to people? If we were to go around your neighborhood, could you introduce me to people who aren't part of your church? Will the, what will their facial expression be when they see you? Is it one of like oh, glad you're here, or oh, they're back. You know, what can you tell me about your interactions with your neighborhood? How, how, how can you be effective in the outreach in your neighborhood if you don't love your neighborhood? You have to love your neighborhood. And to me, that's the biggest duh that we sometimes don't do. That's the biggest duh that sometimes we forget. Um, One of my colleagues at uh, Moody said this, Dr. Marty, he said, you've never looked into the face of a person who doesn't matter to God. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. I mean, I could just, we could be done right there. that's pretty good. You've never looked into the face of a person who doesn't matter to God. There's people in your neighborhood who don't agree with your convictions. They don't agree with your way of life. They don't agree with some of the decisions that you would make. But that's all irrelevant in what I'm talking about. You don't have to agree with somebody to love them. You don't have to agree with somebody to have compassion on them. And what does Jesus tell us in Matthew 9? When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. If we put anything else in that blank, we're doing it wrong as far as ministry. Um, Do you love your neighborhood? I I would challenge you. That's the thing I would be praying about. You know, Most of us travel to get here. When you go back home, the thing I would challenge you to do is walk your neighborhood and say, God, break my heart for this place. Uh, introduce, God, you introduce me to people that I need to be introduced to. Um, break my heart for what's going on for in my schools, in my government, um, in the different parts of town that I don't live in, or maybe even some of the parts of town I might not be welcome in or don't feel safe going into. Because in all of them, they need Jesus, and we need God to break our hearts with them. Uh, some of those people are super annoying some of those people we think are super wrong. Some of those people we're super comfortable with and we like being around. It doesn't matter. Jesus loves them all. And he wants us to have compassion on them. And this is the first. You can do everything else we'll talk about in the rest of this workshop. But if you don't love the community you're in, it's all going to be for nothing. Um, it's all going to be pointless. So you have to love your neighborhood. Uh, the second thing is that you have to go where the people are at. You have to go where the people are at. How many of you have ever seen the movie Field of Dreams? How many of you? Okay, I'm aging myself. I just turned 40 a couple weeks ago. Um, how many of you ever heard of the movie Field of Dreams? How many of you know what a baseball is? <laughs> you need to go watch that movie because it's really good. For those who have seen it, what's the line from the movie that we say a lot? and they will come. We need to reverse our mentality about ministry. Normally, a lot of times what we think is, we we will build it and they will come. We'll build this program. We'll build this function. We'll build this building and they will come. That doesn't work all the time as effective. What I would say is you need to flip that line around. The the way that that line should be used as far as us as Jesus followers is your neighborhood is built and you need to come to it. Your neighborhood has been built, so you go to it. Rather than waiting for our neighbors to come to us, we need to go to our neighbors. It is okay to have relationships, to have friendships, to have connections with people who don't love Jesus. And we need to do that. Um, we need to redeem that mentality. Um, Your neighborhood is built, and you need to come to it. Whether it's community events, community programs, go to them. Um, My friend Matt, he's the guy who... um, helped renovate that that, uh, softball field. Um, He's really big into this. The thing that he's always told, he keeps reminding us as pastors and telling us as our team leaders is that many times we're good Christians, but we're really bad neighbors. We love Jesus, we love God as ourselves, but we really stink at the other half of that. Um, And we need to start doing um, being good neighbors. One of the ways that we've done this in our location is that we said, we told everybody coming into May, we're not doing any church softball teams. We're not doing any church leagues, official teams or anything. The city has tons of different stuff out there. Go join one of them. We don't need our own softball team. Go be part of the different leagues that are out there. Go and be and connect with people who aren't already in this building. Maybe get three or four or five, six different people and go join a team together. But you don't need a church team to go be safe in. You need to go get a city team that you can start making disciples in and that you can start being salt and light in. So we ixnade any idea of organized church sports. Our city has enough that we can be joined in. Let's go jump in in that. Um, For Matt in Little Village, he went, they have a lot of different um, softball leagues down there, city leagues and stuff. Matt went and bought a grill, and every time the big day with all the games would happen, he would take the grill down, and he would just start cooking burgers and hot dogs and giving them out to people for free. He just, hey, I got food, come and get it. Didn't have a sign up, didn't anything. He would just tell people, hey, you know, buy the field. I got some food, come over and get it. And because of that, he started making connections. That's how he started meeting some of the coach. Right now, Matt leads our our citywide community efforts he's designed a game prevention program that he's being asked to go to he just got back from london six months ago people in london saying can you come and train us on what you're doing in, in the city of chicago with games and matt would tell you everything that he's doing now started with flipping hot dogs and burgers at a softball thing He started making connections. He started being in the neighborhood. He started connecting with people, doing things that were already going on, not creating church stuff, but being part of what was happening. And God's blessed it, and he's having all these different connections. Um, Bailey, my son and and daughter, we have different neighbors that we hang out with and stuff. Just even in our backyard, the family that lives next to us, it's a... um, African-American family. It's the uh, grandfather and the father, their daughter, her little boy, and he's two. And a lot of times my kids will say, like, hey, we'll say, do you want to go in the park? And they'll go, no, we want to play with Cameron. So they'll go in the back and they'll play with him, and we've built this relationship with this family. Come out, you know, do burgers with them. We bless them with different Christmas stuff. We'll watch Cameron for them. And just hanging out with this family. We, I have not had opportunity to sit down and talk to them about the gospel yet. We've been around them for about a year. We haven't had those conversations, but we have had it where it's been, hey, we need some help with this. Can you help with that? Or Jeanette has said, hey, Bobby's not in town. Can you help me with this? And she needs something in the place and they've come in and helped. We're building those relationships with them. It all comes with the stepping in and saying, hey, how can I come alongside of you? Where are the people at? Where is stuff already going on? We need to stop making Christian alternatives and be part of what's already happening. Um, The Christian alternative thing is what's killing us. Uh, we need to be part of what's happening in the world. Different from it, but separate. So go where the people are. Within that, serve and partner with your community. These, are, these first three are kind of all connected, but what does Jeremiah 29, 7 say? But also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. We know the more that we pour into our communities, the more that we, that's going to help us as well. Not that we're just doing it for our own, you know, well-being and comfort of life, but we know that when we help make Chicago better, it's being it's better for us as well. So we try to invest within our city. Um, when the city prospers, we prosper. How can we make this community better? The other thing my friend Matt says is, you can't have a voice at the table if you don't have a seat at the table. You can't have a voice at the table if you don't have a seat at the table. And what he means by that, and what we talk about in that, is we cannot speak and have an influence in our communities if we're not actually part of our communities. We can't actually speak into what's happening within the big picture, the government, the different things, if we're not present there. Uh, We need to be part of what's happening. We need to step in and not just demand a space, but serve and partner and be brought into those things. Um, If you want to speak into the changes, you have to have a place at the conversation. You can't have a place at the conversation if you're not building relationships. It all comes back to relationships. We have to have long-term thinking as well instead of short-term thinking. It's going to take time. Um, we've been in our neighborhood in Lincoln Park for over three years and just starting to really make some connections with people in the neighborhood over the last year. But even the fruits of them have been amazing and with the different things that we've been able to do and the opportunities that we've had. Uh, some of the... Um Sorry, I lost my place there. Uh, we have to have a traditional, um, there's traditional out, outreach events, and those are great and effective, but it can still echo the whole field of dreams kind of mentality of expecting people to come to us. Um, we need to have church events. There's nothing wrong with church events. We still do have our church events, but we also rethink having them exclusively. Um, we have what are ways that not only can we serve the community, but be doing things with the community. So, so, so some of the stuff within that we do at Lincoln Park park, most of our events that have to do with community are not exclusively our church. They're things that we're doing with the neighborhood. So in Lincoln Park, there's a thing called the Wrightwood Neighbors Association. They're the people that kind of run like some of the local government and things like that. They do different things for the city, hold one of the biggest fests of the city, and really put on a lot of events for them. So we have been doing the movies in the park and in the movies in the gym. The cool thing that really happened with this is that you know the, the city of Chicago does movies in the park all through the summer, all through the um, every all over the place. Um, there's hundreds of movies that are shown through. The summer. This particular park is right down the street from our church, so the movies are happening. So what we went to, the, we did is we went to them and I met the people who are um, running this and said, "Hey, I know I've been at the movies, and the big thing about this park, as beautiful as this park is, there's no bathrooms here. Can we open up the doors of our church, literally 200 feet away, and, pe- and let people know they can come use the bathroom here?" Eyes like this big, like really? You're gonna let us? Yes, absolutely. That use our church bathrooms were our open door to connecting with our community. To our, our, let me say that again: our church bathrooms were our open open door to begin connecting with the community. But here's how the snowball. Through doing this, starting to meet the different people, met the lady, her name is Stacy, who runs all the events. And I said, hey, can we have coffee? I would love just to hear about some of the things you're doing, things that are on your plate, any way the church can help you and stuff like that. So we had coffee. The cool thing within them... I said, you know, whatever events you're doing, we would love to come alongside and help. Like, say, for example, you know, you guys do the movies in the park, and that's really awesome, but then there's no movies the rest of the year. We have a gym. It doesn't get used on weekends a whole lot. What if we did movies in the gym? I mean, you guys promote it, put it on your newsletter, say it's right when neighbors associated sponsor all that, but we'll open the door, we'll get people to staff it, we'll pass out the water, use our projector. That's awesome. Can we do that together? And we had three or four movies with them all last year, a couple hundred people, up to 100 people a bit more in our gym, people that probably wouldn't come to a service, but they're coming to watch Despicably 2 with their families in our gym, and frozen. I'm going to start talking about frozen. Um, so doing things like that, we do our block parties. So we went through, and this is actually the street. Our church is right here in this picture. So we went through and just walked the neighborhood and said, hey, we want to do a block party. Does anybody want to help planning in this and just connect with this? So a team of people just put this together, and now every August we have this block party. Everybody in this picture, my church, my church, my church, neighbor, 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 my church, my church, my church, my church, neighbor, 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 most people are in my church. All hanging out for six to seven hours, laughing, playing bags, joking around. We, we didn't do any message. There was no worship. It was fellowship. That's the, one of the things as far as doing stuff like this. We've given our permission ourselves permission not to do all five purposes every time the church gathers. Every time Christians get together, there doesn't have to be a sermon. Every time Christians get together, there doesn't have to be worship. I'm not saying that those things are bad, but sometimes if we just focus on one thing, it can be a lot more effective. Uh, so we say, let's focus on fellowship, but not fellowshipping together. Let's fellowship with our neighborhood and have this many people, many who have never been to church, connecting with our people, but asking about our church at that point and coming and visiting. So we've done movies in the park, we've done the block parties. We've also done Halloween fest and Christmas fest. Um, you know, we've done it where we've you know, had the candy on stuff like that. Different churches are going to have different convictions on this. You have to go with whatever you feel is right for us. Um, it's more important that our, we're building community, con- connections with our community and we're building relationships with our community if we're using Halloween over harvest. So we ask them, what's going to be best for you guys? Well, we always call it a Halloween party and we have the pumpkin carving. I'm like, all right, we're calling it a Halloween party then. And that's it. Who cares? We're not going to get into you know, a big stink over semantics. We also also did a Christmas fest where we had, again, this neighborhood is the one promoting it throughout all of the block. We're not doing any of that. They're doing all the promotion and tons of people are coming. But they also sponsored and found this guy who does sleigh rides. They paid for all of it. We didn't pay for any of it. But they had, We did hot cocoa, we did Christmas movies, we had pictures with Santa, everything, and then through this affluent neighborhood, we had sleigh rides, and this sleigh, where this dude was driving around with the families in church right by the church. Hundreds of people coming out to get a sleigh ride right in the middle of Chicago. So doing Christmas and Halloween different stuff, um, we are gonna we just met Stacy and I just met a couple weeks ago, kind of planning out our movies, different things that we can do as far as just kind of fun stuff. One of the things that we're gonna do new this Christmas is uh, we're gonna do theater workshop day. So she has some connections with uh, people in Steppenwolf Theater and some of the major theaters in Chicago. And she said, "What if we did a theater thing where these actors and actresses from the different uh, theaters could come in and we'll do a theater workshop for kids?" I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I have tons of musicians." artists and actresses who would want to be a part of that. So over Christmas break, we're going to be doing that, where we're going to be literally inviting all these different Secular, just part of the community, actors and actresses who are going to come in and teach our kids how to do drama. Isn't that cool? Came up with that idea. And you can steal all of these. Um, <laughs> in January, we're going to do resolution day. So what is everybody going do January 1st that they don't keep by the end of January? They create uh, New Year's resolutions. So the second Saturday in January, we're going to do resolution day. So we're coming up with all these different... What are all the major... Things a person could do a New Year's resolution on. Like, think about what are some of the things we do New Year's resolutions on? Lose weight. weight. What else? Quit smoking. What else? Diet, exercise, budgeting. So we came up, all those things were on our list. We asked ourselves, what would be the top eight? And then we're going to get people who come in and do workshops on all of those different things. How to quit smoking. How to start putting together a plan for losing weight. And then one of them that I'll lead is how to get your life lined back up with God. So mine will be part of the other ones, but again, promoting things that people want and people that we connect with, not a normal churchy thing, but it's things that our neighbors would connect with and doing it with the neighborhood. And then the last thing that we're doing, how many of you are in college areas? So some of you one thing that we're gonna be doing, and we're just starting a planning of this. Is the Paul is like literally two blocks from our church. It, I could get to the Paul faster than I can get to the other side of this building. So I mean, it's really close. So what we're going to be doing is the week before finals, we're going to open up our church building and we're going to promote it at the Paul as a safe, 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 quiet place to get off of campus. So we're going to have tables set up in our gym um, and with internet and plugs everywhere where people can come and study. We're going to have food and water and stuff for them, and we're going to try to get somebody to sponsor it. Where any student. That comes in, we're going to give them a frozen pizza as they leave. It's our thank you, keep, kind of keep going, glad you were here. We're going to say, hey, if you need to go lay down in the pews and take a nap, there's a nap place. If we can pray for you, let us pray for you. But we're going to open up our building and say to Paul, hey, come here and study here if it's going to be easier for you than being in that busy library. And I've talked to some of our students, and they're like, that is amazing because it's crazy in the library. I would come here in a heartbeat, and I have friends too. How do we connect with the people? So we, this is these are ways that we've figured out how can we serve the community? How can we come alongside the community? What is the community doing that we can partner with? None of these events are, hey, New Life Community Church is doing this. All of these events, with the exception of that one, the Black Party, all of these events are sponsored by Wrightwood Neighbors Association and New Life Community Church. And, I, and half of this, now again, this is our context. I can't tell you this is going to happen for you. But half of our stuff, the neighborhood is paying for it. Like, they've paid for all the movies. They say, you know, is that okay? Yeah, absolutely, go ahead, no problem. You know, they bought the popcorn machine, you know, because well, you guys are doing so much, let us help within that. One other way that we do it, it's not on my list, but we have our um, neighborhood, they have their neighborhood meetings. We also have CAPS meetings, that's what we call it, like with the, do you guys do that, like where the police meet once a month at the neighborhood and they tell about crime? And maybe that's a Chicago thing because we have so much of it. But, <laughs> but that's held in our building. So every month, the second Monday of every month, the Neighborhood Association meeting and the CAPS meeting, we have the police commissioner for our neighborhood, our district, in my building once a month, every month. And able to meet with them, talk with them. How can we help? Anything going on? Again, just say, hey, do you guys need a place to meet? So within your neighborhood, again, this is my context, but there, I'll tell you, there's a principal in your school, in, in your neighborhood. There's principals. There's a mayor. You have different councilmen, whatever that looks like. There's different community people that you can come in and say, hey, I would just love to have coffee with you. I would love just to sit down with you and hear about the things that are on your plate and see, you know, and just how do I want to understand more of what's going on in our community and how can we just serve I don't want to. it's not about me I mean we even tell them we're not going to come in we're not going to do a message we're not you know we just want to serve we want to just be here for you we want to help any way we can but these are the people who are then visiting our church and there they're hearing the gospel. Or as we interact with them and we have conversations, then they're hearing the gospel. But we're doing these fun things to build those connections and those relationships to give us that voice later on. Um, Does that make sense? So serve and partner with your community. Um, Introduce yourself. And how much time do we have left? How much time do we have left? Okay, I'll try to go go through these relatively speaking pretty fast. Um, what's the first thing that we do when we meet anyone? Hey, my name is Bobby. Well, you don't say that. I mean, we say our name, right? Tell them maybe where we're from if we're in a context like this. Um, I have, I was talking with, after church two weeks ago, I was talking with, um, one of my students who goes to our church, and we were just, we were having this like in-depth conversation and stuff. And this guy came in who I'd never seen before, first time at our church on Sunday. He walks in, completely interrupts us mid-conversation, smile on his face. Hey, I just wanted to ask you this, and what's going on within this, and hey, let you know this. I can't. Remember. I mean, he was it was rocket fire. And I was like, huh, yep, uh huh, okay, thanks, and then walked away. And I looked at Jess, the girl I was talking about. I'm like, do you know who that is? She's like, I've never seen him before in my life. She's like, do you know who that is? I'm like, I have no idea. And we kind of just looked at each other. I'm like, that was really weird, right? She's like, that was the most awkward thing I've experienced at church today, and in probably a while. Because the person just kind of butted in without saying who they were. How many times as churches do we just butt into our neighborhoods with this Jesus stuff? And we've never introduced uh, introduced ourselves for who we are. Um, the biggest the easiest way to do that um, for us is we've just done social media. Um, this is the low-hanging fruit This should be does for all of us because it's all free putting ourselves out there saying hey here's what's going on here's who we are having a Facebook page having a Yelp page, having a Google page. Why is this so important right now? Say for example a Yelp page if you were to if you were in Chicago, and you looked up church on your phone, like I just put in New Life Community Church, and these are all the some of the red dots that came up. If you clicked on that one, it would come up and say New Life Community Church, and it would have our service times and our address. That's all on your iPhone through Yelp. That's free connections with your neighborhood. The, the The number one reason why people come to our church is being invited by a friend. Do you know what the second reason why people come to our church is? I was standing there and I looked up church on my phone. And now you can see we have 20 locations. There's not 20 dots on here. Because some of our locations, thank God, we now have a director of communication that's helping them do this. But now he's going through and making sure every location has their a Yelp page to where when somebody comes in church, we have people think about the person that lives on that corner right there and types in church, and then we're not listed on Yelp. They didn't know we were there. You know, just to, just to have that type of a page where you can come in, it's free. You put your address in, you put your information in, you put your service times, you know, we have our service times there, loads and pictures. Just doing that, and it takes all of 10 minutes, puts you on every single person's smartphone in your neighborhood. Do you realize that? For In 10 minutes time, you can have access to every smartphone in your community. Why would we not do that? <laughs> That is a no-brain. You need to, when you get back home and you get land and you're near the church, you need to go on your phone and type in church and see if your church comes up. And if it doesn't, that's an area you go to your pastor and say, I have an idea. Don't, don't even ask him. Just do it. Just make a Yelp. Page. Just put it in there. And then after he sees it, hey, look at this. This is really cool. Don't. Forgiveness is easier than permission sometimes. Um, do a Yelp page. You also need to do a Google page. So again, 10 minutes. Create a Google page for your church. You put in your address. Then, If somebody's using an Android or using Google Maps, same thing. Your information pops up. To not have that on there. And in reality, also Facebook. We get a little less um, traffic from this because we don't just like try to blast and get tons and tons of stuff. However, one of the things that we do is if we have... Um, Different events that we've posted links to, will do where it's called, um, oh, I just had a complete cramp in my brain, um, promote, a, promote a post. So we'll, you can promote a post um, specifically within your friends that live specifically within a town. So I'll make a post about something coming up, like our movie in the gym, and I'll, for five bucks, I'll promote that to my friends who only live in Chicago. So, and then, but that doesn't just go to them, it goes on their page. So anybody that's friends with them is also seeing that thing. So for five bucks, we have different posts that are on our church that are going to 10, 20, 30,000 people. We traditionally get like 100 to 150 so for five or ten bucks, it's upping that far. You got to introduce yourself. Social media is super easy. Also, different direct mails. Um, for our church, we've done this, like I said in the presentation. Any different. Um, Location that started just coming in and, and going, you know, connecting with outreach, talking with them, creating the designs, making the different postcards, whether it's artwork that they had professionally designed or doing your own. And then within that, every house within a community, like literally within our, there's 10, there's 15,000 people that live within a mile radius of my church. And we were able to hit every house with one direct mail. Isn't that amazing? Every one of those houses heard about our church, what we were doing at Christmas, and were invited in to come. Um, we do the new movers thing. And this is the thing I think that I'm, I'm most excited about as far as connecting with people and introducing ourselves. So the way this works is somebody moves into our neighborhood. they automatically gets seen as a new address in um, Chicago. And then they get a personal postcard that says we're on a first-name basis here at New Life Lincoln Park. This is just the draft. When somebody, like, what's your name? Brad. When, say, Brad moved down the street, when he got this postcard, it would say, Dear Brad. And then have this information. Hope you're enjoying your new home. We'd love to help you settle in by giving you a place to belong. At New Life Lincoln Park, we have a little something for people of all ages, children and families, college and young professionals, community involvement. if you want to know how you and your family can get involved, reach out to us, or better yet, come and see us this weekend. Welcome to the neighborhood Bobby Moss Campus Pastor. I, I don't do anything with this. When they move in, it just happens. All, it's, it's just magic, you know, that kind of a thing. I don't know how it works, but they get one of these from us. Again, new people coming in when people either looking for a church or maybe haven't been to church yet and get this prompt of reminder to come and check us out. The new mover thing is amazing. Um, website. You need to have a website. Um, I'm a little, this is ours. We actually um, are coming up with the new ones. So this one's, this is like really old and needs to be fixed. Uh, There's, you know, different ways that uh, whether you're developing these, getting people to help you, um, having somebody in-house, it needs to look good. Um, It's worth putting the investment in to making a good first impression than not putting the resources in and making a bad first impression. Um, It's good enough for church should be a cuss word in our minds. We, the church, should be not that we have to spend tons and tons and tons and thousands and thousands and you know go into debt because of it, but we should be willing to put a little bit of resources into something for something to be done right, rather than going cheap or free and it just being shady and not look good. The church quality should be a word that's very important to us in the church, Um, and because it all is about making a first impression. Social media new movers website and then also just be creative um, i wasn't able to get a picture i really wanted to show you but the person it did to me but one of our campuses our largest campus where pastor mark is at um, midway it's right by one of the train stops so one of the l's goes right behind the church and they ordered a I think it was 10 foot by 30 foot. It was probably bigger than that. It was literally like as big as that wall or that wall right there. And that's not an exaggeration. It was that big hanging on the side of the building. So any person that's on that train going by and looks to their right, they're seeing a, Hey, you should come to church. We meet at this time. And it's like a funny picture of somebody on it like that, but an invite right there. So being creative with signage for us, um, you know, we wanted to do something a little bit different this last Easter. We didn't want to do a postcard, so we wanted—we decided we were going to do door hangers, um, and we wanted to just go and hang out different. We kind of seeing it as a different way our church could get involved, and you know, just kind of you know, putting mission in front of people. So we thought to ourselves that we don't want just to do. Cheesy Christian Easter thing. You know, like we wanted it to be funny. Like that's why I said, can we do a funny invite? Like that's why I said, we need to do something funny. I want when people look at it that they laugh because Christians typically don't get their funny as a part of our reputation. So I wanted to get people to laugh. So we were kind of racking our brains. And um, again, this all happened before August when he passed away, but I'm a big Robin Williams fan. And there's one of his his stand ups where he's talking about different holidays and stuff. And he made makes the comment, rabbits don't lay eggs. Where are you going with this? (laughs) And he's making the, where is that connection? So we use that. This was our door hangers. This is what we passed out. So the front of it were rabbits don't lay eggs. Where are you going with this? Robin Williams, the back, join us for Easter. We'll eat some chocolate ears together and talk about what the day is all about. Had our, our our address, the schedule for things that were coming up, and then just how to get in contact with us. Sent the artwork to Outreach. They shipped us the, the door hangers. We blitzed the whole neighborhood. 8,000 door hangers went out in that one day and had people coming up to us, literally like putting them on a house and then coming back around and going, did you do this? Yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> like, who came up with that? That's really funny. It's like, well, we're just quoting somebody, you know. But that's the thing, is that, that creative, just like, how can we do this different, spark the cord with people? You never know how far a good laugh would be. So you have to introduce yourself. A um, couple more really fast, because um, we're running out of time. Uh, catch the wind. Um, questions that we ask ourselves. What's going on in our culture? What... what um, that should be what is echoing. Sorry, that one was messed up there. Um, what is echoing? Being, what do we see in here? What are local issues that are coming back to us? What are city issues? What are um, do we see on the internet a lot? What are different films that are going on? Books, events. What are just the natural rhythms in life? Back to school, Christmas, and Easter. There's different things that are always happening, and we try to catch some of those things. So obviously Christmas and Easter are big does for us, uh, for all of us in the church. But also, just for example, the one thing that Outreach really um, has made a big thing, and it's been a huge thing, is this idea of National Back to Church Sunday. Uh, so having one day where it's promoted, you know, hey, churches all over the country are promoting this. You, you should come back to church. You should come back and check out church. You have friends who, were, if they were invited, they would come to church. And just the increase in the number of people who are coming to church just because of this one day, catching that wind, catching that momentum, catching that campaign, and taking advantage of it, and people are coming. Uh, what's going on in culture, what's, uh, what is echoing, where are natural rhythms, and where is God at work? Um, sometimes we do things with other churches uh, because we see God working in what they're doing, and we say, how can we help you? You did know it's okay for one church to do things with another church, right? Um, you know It doesn't happen all the time, but um, you should be a leader within that. Um, and come alongside your brothers and sisters and say, what can we do together? So what are big things that are going on, whether it's a movie series or a television series, um, different things that you can build sermon series around, back to school Sunday type things, just the idea of how can you not take advantage of Christmas and Easter, and those things where just naturally people are going to gravitate to, let that gravitation be to your church. Um, Number six, you have to motivate and equip your community. 82% of the unchurched are likely to attend church if invited, and yet in the last year, only 2% of church members invited an unchurched person to join them. That is messed up. That is something that leaders have to fix. Um, People are not going to invite their friends on their own. We have to equip them. Um, We have to equip them to do that. How do we do that? How do we do that? Way, you have to motivate your people. Ways to motivate is cast vision. Uh, we've, ways that we've done that even this year is I brought up a fishbowl up on stage at the beginning of the year and said we're meant to be fishers of men, not keepers of an aquarium. Uh, it's not about the church gathering in an aquarium and just enjoying our plastic plants. It's about us going out and making fishing for people and then coming to Christ. So we have this fish tank in our church now. And people know that then there we always talk about that more and more. Um, we talk about the idea, um, one of the campaign things that we've done in our church is love does. So telling it that, you know, we're going to be people who are serving within our community. We're going to be people that are doing things with our community. So we put lots of different opportunities for people to get involved in. Shelters and uh, elderly homes and retirement places, um, schools, and always having those different things uh, before people, even keeping track of the hours that uh, we're doing so that people can see we're actually doing it in the community, keeping ourselves accountable within ourselves, even canceling a Sunday service so that we can go out into the community telling people we're doing this because that's how the church is supposed to be. We're not just supposed to be gathering, we're supposed to be serving, we're not just supposed to be hearing, we're supposed to be sharing. So, really. Casting that vision, uh, being an example. If you're not inviting, your people aren't going to be invited. If somebody can't, if somebody in the church doesn't ever say, "Well, I came because Bobby invited me," then few people are going to say, "Well, I came because so and so." You have to be the example. Um, you have, the, as the leader, one of the leaders. You have to be an example. Um, Another way to motivate is to do prayer walks in your neighborhood. Uh, We've done this numerous times, in fact, uh, trying to get one together for the next two weeks, where just around our church, we've picked various major intersections, and we say at 6 o'clock every night, here's the schedule. 6 o'clock, we're going to be at this corner, and we're going to walk around and pray for an hour. Now The next day at 6 o'clock, we're going to be at this corner and walk around and pray for an hour. And have different different people kind of, you know, not that you have to do every single one, but we have different volunteers. We'll pick one night and kind of um, sponsor that night. And then whoever shows up, we just walk around. But we're praying for you. Every house you go by, pray for that family. Um, As you see people you're walking by, remember, they matter to Jesus. And just that natural expression of walking around the community builds that momentum. And the biggest thing, I think, is sharing stories. You know, I got this invite card from church. I gave it to Sally at work, um, and she came to church on Sunday, and she heard Jesus, and now she's following him because she gave her life to Jesus. If that ever happens, you need to tell that story, and you need to make sure you include the practical reality of it. She took an invite card from church, gave that to her so that people can see, well, I can do that, and then see that God does his part within it. So you have to be sharing stories of success. So motivate your people. Ways to equip your people. We already talked about having a great website. Doing the Facebook updates and invitations, if there's ever like a major thing going on, like we're going to be starting a major sermon series and going adding a service in two weeks, so we'll have those things on Facebook and we'll put them on the church's Facebook page. But then what I'll do and a couple of our leaders will do is we'll go through everybody from our church that we're connected with on Facebook and say, can you please help us get the word out about what we're doing? Take the picture on our page and share that on your wall and figure out two or three people that you can specifically send it. To. Do both. Put it on your wall so everybody sees it, but then ask two people specifically to join you that day easy, free way to use Facebook updates. Um, weekly email updates. If you've never heard of MailChimp, I highly recommend that you check that out. Free service. You can import your church's database into there. Every Friday, we send out an email just letting people know what's going on in our church over the next three or four weeks, what's coming up. Uh, we have some people that help with that. Um, it's actually super easy to put together. A lot of times, it's just copying and pasting what's already in your bulletin um, into an email, but they get that email blast. What was that Mail Chimp. Sorry, I should have put that in a slide. Mail, M-A-I-L, chimp like a monkey. Mail chimp. Mailchimp.com. The biggest, most important thing is invite cards. You need to have invite cards. You need to have, no, not like... Invite cards, that's invite poster. That's No one's going to want to put that in their pocket. Not invite cards like a quarter sheet. I'm talking like business cards type size. Something that has your church information on one side, the service times. And then on the front, no cheesy Christian pictures. Picture of your neighborhood. Picture of your service, uh, your series that you're going to do. Picture of the building so people can see what it looks like. But something that you can put in people's hands. Something that says you're invited and it looks cool. Um, Something that's going to grab people's eye. It's going to connect with them. It's going to be professional looking and not like just some kid drew with a crayon. Not that all of our kids aren't beautiful pictures with crayons. (laughs) Um, But something that people are going to say like this is, there's something that was done with this. And yes, there was. There's a lot of effort that was put into it. And it's because this is important to me. And I want you to be a part of that. This is one of our number one tools. We have, uh, we create new, whether we have some more of like the generic ones like this that are always available or we have, we always, every series, we make uh, an invite card with our series imagery and stuff like that. And And every person two weeks before the series starts, every person that walks into church has they leave they get three invite cards and the busters are standing there saying here's your three cards and then we said give invite three people who are three people you can give even if you got to like you know drop it in dash like your chicken or something like that but who are three people you can give these to and invite somebody the invite cards are huge so we even made a generic one where here's our church building sign put our service sign That's all you need just something that somebody can hand in people's uh, put hand to people and invite them out so you have to equip people. Um, Last two things. Going a lot here a lot fast. You have to make a good first impression. Think about movie trailers. A movie trailer is two minutes giving you highlights of what's going to be in a movie. But also, you know what happens if you're sitting with somebody at a movie and you see a movie trailer. You're either going to do one of two things. You're going to lean over and whisper to your friend or your spouse or whatever, we are totally going to see that. Right? You've had that experience. But then you've seen a movie trailer and you leaned over and go, there is no way in the world I'm going paying to see that movie. That is... First impression, you already make a decision on if you're going to go or not, right? There's no difference between that and our churches. People will make a decision within the first five minutes if they're going to come back or not. They're leaning to their friends saying, I think this is going to be our last Sunday. Or they're leaning over going, we need to come back. Hey, this is pretty good. And by that first couple minutes of interaction, you've made a good impression. Think about even walking into this church. Talk about a good first impression. Um, the signage, the way things look, the way things are done. Yes, they have more resources than maybe a lot of us do, but that doesn't mean you can't put quality stuff in your buildings and around your buildings to make a good first impression. So you need to have clear signage on the street where people can see your church, they can see what things look like. Uh, Clear as far as what the times are. You can't have a ton of lot of different words. It has to be big. Uh, It has to to pass the drive-by text. Drive by test can people read the sign driving by if they can't read all the information driving by you have too much information on the sign so it has to survive the drive-by test who you are where to meet and what time but uh, have to have clear signage on the street you have to have easy parking um, directing people where to go um, how to park what that looks like how to get to the building from there um, clear easy parking clear signage in the church. Welcoming people, letting people know where your children's ministry is, directing people to where different stuff is. We are so used to our building that we forget that visitors have no clue where stuff is, and that can be a turnoff. So we need to make, the, make opportunities for them to feel like they know what's going on. Um, and just a couple signs can ease that tension, ease that stress, and make a person feel at home. So you have to have signage on the inside. Um, friendly greeters friendly greeters, people who are going to be uh, both in, with your church and with your kids, people who know how to smile, people who uh, doesn't necessarily have to be loud and outgoing because and so, sometimes that can be a turnoff. but just people who are good connecting with people, who are good being friendly with people, engaging with people. You have to have good greeters. Um, you have to have uh, clean restrooms. Think about our bathroom. Our bathroom is a testament to all bathrooms. Um, you know, not, not, not just the girls, guys. Um, you know, And that might seem kind of silly, but if your bathroom's nasty, your church is nasty. So you need to get somebody in there and clean it and, you know, spray something or whatever. But you need to clean the bathroom um, and let that be. And also professional bulletins. Um, your broad, you know, churches that are doing bulletins this is going to be a way that people can know what's going on, getting the information, so within that it has to look good, it has to be um, connect with your audience, connect with your DNA, and give them information of what's happening, so I would also highly recommend awesome bulletins um, like I said, good enough should be a curse word in church we should be an example of quality, and here's the thing Limited budget and resources isn't permission for sloppiness. Do you mean you say that again? Limited budget and resources isn't permission for sloppiness. It just means doing quality work with what you have. But you still do quality work. Um, some of our locations are very thankful for the resources that they are be able to um, obtain and use. And they don't have the resources that other churches do. So you have to use what you have. And then the last one is focus on creating connection opportunities. People connect with people and nothing works better. We always have to remind ourselves that the church isn't a building. The church is people. And if you believe that, then you need to make sure your ministry reflects that. Uh, ways that you can connect people to people. Again, pastor leads the way by example. Is the past? Um, I learned a great ministry lesson from Josh McDowell. Have you ever heard of Josh McDowell? Um, just if you've never read anything about Josh McDowell, you need to ask God for forgiveness and go read a Josh McDowell book. He's just a great leader of the church in the last you know few decades. And I've I've been to a lot of conferences in my experience over the last four or five years. You name a conference speaker that's well-known nationally, and I've probably met them. And I can say and they're all super nice, all really, well, most of them, uh, super nice, engaging, all of that. But you know what? Josh McDowell is the old, one of the only ones, and, and the only one I can ever remember, that when a conference is going on, he is out amongst the crowd working the crowd. I, you name an A-list conference speaking pastor, and I have never seen at a big conference. I have never seen one of them do that. But Josh McDowell, somebody that is known by everyone, he is out there. Hey, what's your name? Where are you from? Tell me about yourself. And he just works. So that as a pastor, leaders, we need to be engaging people. If the pastor isn't talking to people, then the people aren't going to be talking to people. So you have to lead by example. Personalized thank you card. Every new visitor that comes into our church gets a handwritten thank you card from me with a $5 Starbucks card in it every Sunday. Uh, my, our office manager, um, she hasn't emailed me the cards yet. Um, last week there was eight of them. I st- sat there at a Starbucks, wrote eight thank you cards. They pretty much all said the same thing, but handwritten Starbucks card in them and sent those things out. I am so glad that you are here. Why? Because that's a shock to some people's systems. We're used to text messages, we're used to emails. What is this thing in my mailbox? You know, written, as, That's that stands out. And the fact that it's a personal touch is huge. So personalized thank you cards. Uh, train your community. Um, you, we, we have within our leadership time and our training um Gatherings for our volunteers and our leaders, we always include something about assimilation, always about uh, greedy, Uh, putting it on our people. You are going to make the connections in here. It's not my job. It's all of ours. So the whole equipping the saints, then we put that vision out there, teach them how to do it, give them ideas on what to say to someone. How do you have a conversation with somebody you've never met? We talk about those things and train them within them. And then we celebrate connections. You know, talk about the stories, um, as I said before. And then also um, different connections events. Some of those things, um, you know, we do the meals after church, uh, newcomers mingles, things like that. Um, one thing that also, this is the last couple slides. So this one, we do a two-minute mingle every Sunday. This has been huge for us as far as just, again, making connections. So we'll have worship time. We'll do um, greeting and everything. But then we'll tell people, hey, community is really important to us. Um, Relationships are really important to us. We're we're not a shake hands and sit down church. We're going to take two minutes right now and just ask you to find somebody around you that you don't know and just find out what their name is. Find out where they live in the city. What do they do? How long have they been here? And then we usually put up some silly question on the screen like, you know, about a movie or something that happened in the city or have you tried glazed and infused donuts with the bacon or something like that. Something silly and it's okay. It's a two-minute party. Party. And for two, sometimes it goes on for three or four minutes, it's just madhouse with people talking. And all of our leaders know if you see anybody sitting being quiet, it's because they're probably new, no one's talking to them, you go and talk to them. It's one of the best things for us as far as fostering connections in a church. Um, And we put that into our services. Strategically place coffee. Make sure your coffee is in places where people are going to be able to mingle and hang out. Food the sacred part of our church, everything. You should have some type of thing. There are people in your church that will never teach a sermon. They'll never sing in a worship team. You probably don't want them in front of people greeting, but they can make some awesome cookies. And you should put that spiritual ability to work. Um, if You you should tell people, hey, are you a cooker in here? Are you a baker? We really want to spruce up our connection time afterwards. We don't want to just have Oreos out every time. Can you help us with that? And for some people, they're going to get excited excited about it we found out we have a professional baker in our church when we put this out there and she said i'll bake for you every week so we have like these designed like cookies with professionally designed roses on top of them and stuff and it's like thank you jesus because for me it would have been the oreos if it was up to me have equipped the people and unleash them into your community promote small groups and promote serving opportunities Um, pushing people into small groups not pushing but inviting people into small groups making sure your small groups are inviting people into them and creating serving opportunities where people can use their gifts Um, I think that's it now anyways, love your neighborhood, go where people are serve and partner with your community introduce yourself, catch the wind motivate and equip, make a great first impression focus on creating connection opportunities but really the most important thing is to pray If you're not seeking God out about your community, then nothing's going to happen. We have to be people who are coming before God and saying, do a work in this place. Change this place. Uh, We want want people in this neighborhood to find you, God. And if you're not seeing that, maybe it's because you're not asking him to do it. Uh, we need to rely on God. Um, I showed this picture in the presentation. This is our, pa- our senior pastor, Pastor Mark, uh, with uh, Pat, uh, pastor Manu, uh, Mayor Emanuel. Um, and we hosted a prayer breakfast at our church where clergymen from all over the city came to just talk about the violence, talk about what's going on. Uh, the mayor was there, and they were, had a private conversation, and he asked our pastor, you know, hey, how can we get on board together with this mentoring thing? And Pastor Mark's saying, well, here's different things we're doing. And actually having a conversation with the mayor of Chicago about pouring in. That wouldn't happen if we weren't flipping burgers at baseball games, if we weren't doing movies in gyms. Um, When we start building in our community, then the kingdom gets built up as well. We're seeing that in a place like Chicago. It's going to happen in your city as well. Uh, different resources to utilize, there's the outreach blog, there's the outreach magazine. Um, check out the outreach website. Um, I, meant to, I didn't have the phone number up here earlier, but you've got to call one of the outreach specialists. You've seen the different things like the fastest, the 100, top 100 fastest growing churches, top 100 churches. Those magazines that Outreach puts out. The Outreach specialists are the ones who are talking to those people. They're the ones talking to the churches that are growing really fast in our country. They're the ones talking to churches in small towns, big towns, little churches, big churches. They're hearing about the ideas that are out there. They're hearing what other people are doing. So you call them with your contacts and say, "Here's the resources we have. Here's the needs that we have. Here's what's going on." They're going to be able to because there are kingdom people as well who want to see Jesus in your community. They're going to be able to give you ideas and give you suggestions on how to make these connections happen. I was, when I said it in the presentation, that was true. This is the biggest partner that we have doing everything that you saw in this presentation. Um, and they want to help you as well. So if you have not checked out Outreach yet, you really need to do so. Um, whether it's just outreach.com or churchleaders.com. So I always gave you the biggest drink from a fire hose ever. I'm sorry to drench you. Um, If you write this down, um, Pretty Actually, let me give you this. This is some information about outreach. And my email's at the top, so don't even worry about writing it. How easy is that? Thanks. If you email me, I will send you this PowerPoint. Maybe that would be helpful. Um, I'll send you all the slides as well. Uh, my email's at the top. But the information that I just gave you, these are some different um, packages that Outreach is designed for conferences like this, where normally the cost of what it would get be to do t- targeted mailing, signage, things like that. At a conference, you're getting 20% off of all of those. So if you see some of the things that we're talking about in this presentation, if you're thinking, yeah, we should try that, we should do that, at a conference or following up with a conference is the best way because 20, 20% is a lot in church budgeting world, right? If you don't know how to say, if you're not saying yes to that, you haven't looked at your budget. It's, 20% is a lot, and it's awesome. So to get 20% off on this stuff, you should really check this out and take advantage of it. So the phone number is on there. The, um, the link for the conference website's on the bottom. And again, my email is at the top. So any questions that I can ask? answer for you. I know we didn't really get, have a time to do a QA. and a If you want to email any questions, I would love to answer those for you. If you want to stick around and ask any questions, I would love to answer those for you. But if you and if you email me, I'd love to send you that PowerPoint. So, hopefully is this is helpful at all? Yeah. Yes? Okay, good. That makes me feel better. Um, thank you everybody for being here. Hope you have a great rest of the time.